right, we're back. I'm Robert Sanchez. We're at Firefighter Kingdom. I have my co-host, Vince Trujillo, um, and also the producer, and makes everything look nice for us uh, here in Firefighter Kingdom. Uh, we have a, a, a great uh, guest uh, and a friend of mine. Uh, it's been a friend for, uh, of mine for a long time. We have George Ossie. He's a lieutenant with Bernalillo County, and he's here to talk specific about logistic, uh, the logistics program and kind of expecting uh, apparatus. And I just, uh, you know, I was kind of interested in just talking to him about it and just uh, kind of learning, you know, what all the stuff that goes into it, you know. So, hey, George, welcome to Firefighter Kingdom. Good morning. How are you? Good. Here's your lucky day. <laughs> and, you, and he gets to be on my podcast. So I've, Awesome. So well, I thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. And no problem, bro. And me, you know, me and George go back with a long time, man, and we've had some good times together, you know. Riding Harleys and hunting and camping and all kinds of stuff that you know that, that that's all we've done. That's I know it, nothing else. I know, I know. <laughs> we won't talk about it all. This has to be on the public. And yeah, we don't yeah. want to be cut off. So anyway, no. Again, bro, it's always nice seeing you and having you on. I appreciate it, bro. And uh, again, now just like you know, when you and I were just talking the other day, um, or I think we we're eating lunch or breakfast, whatever, we we're talking about how you know what all went into specking the trucks. And I know on Facebook you put out some pictures of the actual trucks, and it's right. a, it's amazing to me that you know. So you just can't. You know, go to the to the corner mart or your like, oh, use the fire truck lot and buy a yeah. fire truck. That's yeah, not the no, way it works, right? I mean, maybe back in the day it was like that, but nowadays it's it's much more in depth, much more work uh, that goes into specking and building a fire truck that people just don't understand. They, you know, they think, yeah, call up the call up the dealer, order a truck, and it's good to go. They don't realize that there's months, maybe even years of research and and development to to put the trucks that we have out in the field together you know it's it's there's a lot there's a lot that goes on on the background that people just don't realize that goes on right and so you know you know and there's this podcast you know we're going to get into more detail and in, in how it how it happens but i just want to kind of bring up your history in the fire service because you got into even specking fire trucks it's kind of been an interest to you since you got in the fire service even you know i was going to mention uh your dad you know yeah so he was a firefighter for a long time and yep. he's a great guy i have the the honor of, t- of knowing him also and just uh uh, your history in the fire service and how did how did it come about you even kind of get into this this part of it well you, you kind of hit the the nail on the head there a little bit um my my dad i'm second generation firefighter my dad's uh was a firefighter and still kind of plays a role in the local volunteer fire department where he's from up in las vegas um but you know i grew up knowing in the fire service i you know i grew up uh, going to trainings and in the he, firehouse, was, he was an instructor at, at you know back in the day before there was the state fire academy they used to do the the traveling show and they used to go from city to city every year they'd pick a different city and do um the fire the fire fire training for the state of new mexico uh so i grew up as a very young young child as a baby actually my, my i was about six months old when my dad took me to the first fire school uh, and I, I grew up in the fire service, and at a very young age, I that just kind of was what I was going to do, and, and I kind of set my path forward in, in that, and I've, uh, obviously, my dad's my, my hero and my mentor, uh, but since then, I've had numerous other people that have been in my life that have, have mentored me in, in the fire service, and, and I've been fortunate to surround myself by by great people that that look out for my best interests so 
I, I, I'm blessed. I'm, I'm grateful for everything that I've, I've been able to do with my career. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting to the point where it's, it's, I'm coming towards the end of my, my professional career. I'll probably move on and do something else after I retire. But yeah, I mean, I, I think I fought my first fire when I was about nine or 10 years old with my dad and I'd go to fires with him cause they, you know, they'd get called off duty and, and I'd, I, cool. I'd go with him to fires and I'd, you know, I've seen him do some crazy stuff and, <laughs> uh, wondered how he's still alive today because <laughs> man, it was just some unbelievable stuff, stuff that you only read in books and like, you think it's fiction. Yeah. <laughs> and back in those days, man, there wasn't many rules and stuff like that. Oh, no. It was kind of, you know, they, yeah. they had, they're short on staff, they're short on equipment. So they kind of just, yep. they did whatever they had to do at the time to make it happen. Right. So that's yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's no, it's a, uh, it's, it was, uh, I knew since very young age that I, I, this was going to be my career and, and I was going to, I was going to do this full time and, and it, it's worked out. It's, it, it's definitely been, uh, different. There's, the path that I thought I was going to take was probably the, in the long run, it, it ended up being the same thing, but it, it took some turns and, and, and it was cool. You know, it made me a better person for, for where I am. So, you know, sure. I was, I was, as I grew up and I got older in 1992, I was able to uh, get on with a local volunteer fire department as a junior firefighter. Um, obviously a friend of my dad's and, and the chief there, and he brought me on. Uh, I was always very involved in, and everything in the fire service, like I spend days with my dad at the at the firehouse on duty, and uh, just all kinds of cool stuff. And and so I got uh, Gene Martinez gave me the opportunity to become a uh, junior firefighter, and it basically was just a title to get me into the into the ranks. And it, it didn't mean anything. I I got my own set of gear. You know, I would beg borrow my dad's vehicles to go to calls, and uh, it was just it was just a good time. It was, it was a lot of fun. And that's how I, how I got into it. And then several years down the road, you know, I ended up becoming an officer in that volunteer fire department and eventually becoming the chief. And, um, that's where I first started, uh, or I started, um, specking, specking trucks. fire trucks. You know, yeah. we, we bought a, we were looking at buying a tender. And, uh, so that's kind of where it started. And, and, you know, there's just a lot of research that goes on, uh, when, when you're starting to do this kind of stuff and because you're spending a lot of money and it's public money. So you want to do the best you can do to provide that, the, get the best dollar you can out of that, out of that, uh, purchase. Um, so that's, that's kind of where my professional career, uh, started and how I got introduced into specking trucks and stuff like that. Uh, but it's, it's been, it's been kind of crazy and, and, uh, I knew, when I graduated high school, I, you know, I had another friend, another mentor that, you know, got me into the EMT side of the thing. Cause back in the day it was just like, you know, firefighting, that's all it was. Right. And, and getting into the, the service was starting to change. And in order to get into fire departments, you needed to become an EMT. And so he worked for a private ambulance company in the, in Las Vegas. And so he was instrumental in getting me down that path. So as a senior, I was taking extra classes, uh, to become an EMT. And so when I graduated high school, I went like two months later, I went and did my state boards and got my, my state boards. And I, then they picked me up at the local ambulance service and I started working there as a EMT. So yeah, it's, I mean, and then you became a paramedic, right? Well, yeah, I, you know, and then, uh, shortly thereafter I worked there for a while, got on with the fire department, uh, there in Las Vegas. And that was another 
great experience for me because I was able to work a, a shift with my dad, you know, on, on the truck, the same truck. Um, there was no nepotism rules at that time, yeah. I guess. <laughs> it was, it was, uh, whoever wanted to yeah, drive the truck. Huh? Yeah. It was like, well, I guess it was hurting for bodies. So I, <laughs> luckily I was there at the time. So, but no, it was a, it was a good experience. And, and, you know, it was just one of those departments that didn't pay a whole lot. It was, it was, it was tough times for me. I was making, you know, making ends meet. And so I started, uh, working, uh, still part-time with the private amateurs. Well, the long story short, they, they, the city got a new contract with a new provider. Uh, ambulance service provider because the fire department didn't do EMS at the time, and they still don't. Uh, but they 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 uh, went out for a bid. They got this company, and this company reached out to anybody, any of the old employees from the old company to to cross over and uh, go work for them. So I you know I jumped at the opportunity. And I figured ah, I'll just get on part time and see how it goes, and and go from there. And sure enough. Uh, they offered me a full-time job, doubled my salary at the fire department, and I was, this was a no-brainer for me. I was newly married, young. Nice. Uh, so I, I jumped ship from the fire department. Probably the worst decision I ever made, but you know what? It opened up a door that I didn't expect to open. So, yeah, they uh, at that point, I worked there for about a year, and then uh, they approached me. They pulled me and my wife in one day, and they said, hey, you have what we see to be a good paramedic and we'd like to send you to paramedic school and have you ever thought of it? And it was kind of a, just a, a huge like blow, like it just was unexpected. And right. So they were like, well, we need to know by tomorrow if you can go to paramedic school or not. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, well, I guess I need to talk, talk it over with my wife. And like, <clears throat> so we did went home and she's like, yeah, go ahead. You know? So <clears throat> did signed up, went, Got enrolled that next week in in school in uh, at Eastern New Mexico in Roswell and went through their program, a pretty rugged year and a half, um, and I came out of there with a uh, with a paramedic certificate and uh, single, and a, so, <laughs> and a license to practice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, that seems to happen sometimes in paramedic school. Man, it's it's tough. It's not no joke for sure. Yeah. And it's still not. It's even got worse nowadays. Yeah, oh, for sure. I think there's way more stuff that they they're covering now. It's it's right. just a different animal now. Right, it's for just, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so and you got in Bernalillo County Fire Department. You know, after your paramedic stuff. Yeah. And uh, you know, you know, I, I think uh, the logistics divisions kind of you know one of the more unique or be, you know better um, operated logistics division the fire department that I see. I mean, I think uh, you know it seems like uh, in your division, it, you know. Uh, you guys are allowed to do quite a bit, and it seems like you guys get a lot done. And one of them is specking trucks. Yep. You know, so like, what's the first thing when you want to spec a truck? So you have, a, you know, if we have a ladder truck being specked or a, you know, a pumper, an engine. So what's the first thing you do? I mean, so <clears throat> kind of give you a little bit of background is the the department has has uh, created a a uh, vehicle replacement plan, and they did that, you know, several chiefs back. They, they, they had the foresight to, to look and see, okay, let's do a 10, 20-year plan on vehicle replacements. So the Chiefs back then, had, had they basically went through and saw our fleet was kind of an aging fleet at the time. It was really old. Uh, the mechanics were, like, super busy trying to keep them uh, up and running and stuff like that. So they were able to basically get the oldest stuff replaced first and the most busy in the busier station. So... The plan was, they set out the plan, they, they've published it, and it's in the policy, uh, the vehicle replacement plan. So we follow that vehicle replacement plan. <clears throat> to this day, we modify it, we update it every every year. 
Um, so what we do is is we know uh, probably like two years in advance what we're going to be doing on. So we're basically working two years uh, ahead of what we're at right now. So like right now, I'm working. We're 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 getting a, a ladder truck built and it's in process. And but I'm already working on next year's and the following year's purchase uh, to to for the next vehicles that are, are going to be purchased. Another apparatus. Uh, the other apparatus, yeah. So <clears throat> uh, seeing the ladder truck uh, coming coming being going through the production and stuff like that is it's kind of the end for me. You know, it's it's like it's it's been the project for that ladder truck has been a project for two years, um, and and that's that's kind of the end process of it for for us. I mean, we're still. You know, we still have to finish it out and get it equipped and then get it in service. Uh, but, yeah, it's so so that's the, the first thing is the, is the need of identifying what we're going to purchase for that uh, budget cycle, if you would. Uh, so there's a lot of things that go on. Uh, and one is the money. Obviously, you got to have the money to purchase these, these apparatus because they're not cheap. Uh, we're looking at anywhere from half a million to one and a quarter million dollars for a piece of apparatus. So it's it's a lot of money. Uh, we have to obviously budget for that, and the county is in a unique situation because um, probably four or five years ago they passed a public safety tax, and we get a portion. The fire department gets a portion of that public safety tax, and that's what we use to purchase our apparatus. Um, we're we're also there's other funding sources that we use. We use the New Mexico um, um, fire grant process. We we, those are only uh, $200,000 grants, but they're good enough to purchase like tenders that are not that ha- half a million dollars or above. And then like brush trucks. So we've been, we've been buying brush trucks the last couple of years because of the New Mexico fire grant. Uh, we've been awarded that grant uh, the last three or four years uh, for apparatus. We've, we've, we've got two brush trucks and a, a tender that's on order right now that we purchased through that grant process. Um, so there's, you know, the funding is the biggest thing. And then once you identify the funding, you're, you know, you know what type of apparatus you're going to buy, then you start working on that. And uh, what we do is we look at what we have currently in our fleet. Like if we're doing an engine, we look at what we're doing in our fleet. Is it working for us? Because uh, we, we always want to make, th- that's our goal is to make things better for the user, the end user, the firefighter, and make it as safe as possible. Uh, so we look at, what we have currently in our fleet is it working for us? We get a lot of input from the field guys. We've we've imp- kind of uh, done a kind of committee thing, where it's uh, it's myself, uh, Chief Valenzuela, uh, Chief Pettis, and then we uh, the, one of the mechanics, and then one uh, an engineer from the field. And we usually try to get uh, an engineer that's a more seasoned engineer that uh, has been on multiple apparatus not just one apparatus for their career right. um and so when we're talking engineer just so the public knows that that's the driver of the apparatus yeah, that's right? that's yeah of course that's the driver of the apparatus right. so the the ones that that have been on there and, and then they have good communication skills because we want them to be able to reach out to other drivers who do who are on those apparatus maybe you've not been on multiple apparatuses, but they, they can go and talk to somebody. They're respected They're They know how to talk to somebody and that they can put those uh, answers into a word document and kind of, they're basically the word of the field that they bring back to, to us when we're 
building these trucks or, or talking about how we're going to build these trucks, right. getting the ideas from the guys. And, and obviously we, I pride myself on trying to get as much input from the field, the, guy, the end users, the guys, the firefighters, the ones that are sitting backwards, the ones, the officers who are there, uh, trying to get every need that they, they possibly have uh, addressed in the, in the new build. Right. That's great. So, you know, you get the money, the funding, and then so you go to say, I know Bernalillo County uses Pierce yeah, apparatus, right? We're, we're primarily a Pierce apparatus um, uh, department. We've, our large majority of our fleet is Pierce. Uh, we work, uh, that's one of the other relationships. You have to have good relationships with other people outside of the department. And, and like I said earlier, there's a lot of research, uh, and I would say even development that goes into the, the building of the trucks because you you know the trucks that we built 10 15 years ago there's been a lot of technological changes since then when they're when you're talking about you know pump control modules uh um, NF- NFPA, NFPA requirements yeah NFPA changes every every 5 years and and they have revisions every every 2 years so like you have to maintain that uh those changes are sometimes not stuff that we want but it's part of the nfpa process so they the nfpa is the national fire protection association they 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 um publish standards for uh performance uh guidelines so they're they're basically a guideline but like the builders like pierce manufacturing is a nfpa uh certified builder so they they basically build to nfpa certification standards standards, yes so uh when you know there's guys that say well why do we have to follow NFPA? Well, we don't, but the builder follows NFPA, and that's the way they they continue to, to get their accreditation and build a good product because right. it's 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 a standardized uh, version. Right. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of changes that happen that that we would like to have that from the past that are no longer available because you know there's their unsafe practices or whatever. It's, it's just not safe, or it's not they're just not doing it anymore. Right. Uh, so yeah, there's there's a lot of that stuff that goes on. We have to be up to date with with that code and the NFPA uh, standard. Um, and it slipped my mind right now what right. number it is, but yeah, I mean, I have a binder at work that we follow um, those guidelines and and sure. all that stuff. So I mean, so you guys go to Wisconsin, right? Or is it Appleton? Yeah, Appleton, Wisconsin. And it's twice for each apparatus, right? So right when the build starts, yeah, and then when it ends. So we correct? we do. Um, there's two trips. Uh, one is the the pre-build, and basically you go over there. We've during this whole time we've already met with our sales rep. Uh, we have multiple meetings to talk about the changes what, that we want, what we want them to do, to do for us, um, and we've gone back and forth with uh, the specifications and the component list. And I'll just use an example of this last um, ladder truck that we've built. We've we did. 11 conference calls or meetings before we went to Appleton to do the final pre-build, um, I guess, conference. Right. Uh, so we, we've, we've met, we met 11 times, uh, you know, all the committee or, or part of the committee members with the sales guys uh, to hash out some of those details that, that we want on our truck that maybe not everybody else gets or, it's different from somebody else. So they're all a hundred percent custom trucks. They have a boilerplate that they use with like the, the transmission, the, 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 the engines and stuff like that. But for the most part, everything else that like the compartment configurations, the, the locations of the compartments, the, the seats, 
windows, all that kind of stuff. We tell them where they, where we want them and how they, how, how, to, how, what, what position to be in. So all that stuff is, has to be kind of laid out in advance. And even, so when we do get to Appleton, what we're doing is we're meeting with the Pierce manufacturers, um, their engineers, we sit down with their engineer. If there's something that was like a point of contention that we couldn't work out in the pre-build, we have the engineers come in and say, uh, we explain why we want to do what we want to do. And, and it's basically their job to figure out how to make it happen. Okay. Uh, so like, you know, everything is, it, it's crazy because when you're building a truck, you're only limited by your own imagination and right. what you want to do with your department. Obviously everything takes money, but the, the, the crazier, the things I, I've seen some crazy stuff uh, over there in Appleton and it's just, you know, different departments have different train of thought of and how they want to do, do things. As long as you have the money, yeah. yeah if, the, if you want to pay for it, they'll do it. You yeah. know, if you want, if you want an ice cream machine in the truck, they'll yeah. they'll put one in there for you. I, yeah. I mean, they'll, they'll do crazy stuff like yeah. that. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's so that's that's uh, the the pre build is basically three days uh, of sitting in a conference room, going line by line with the specs, just to make sure that we got everything, uh, all our all our T's crossed and, and right. I's dotted, you know, make sure everything's good. And you know what? In- inevitably we still miss something um, during, during the build process. And, and, you know, we work with Pierce manufacturing and, and their deal, their local dealers, uh, Simmons Martin Mercy group. And um, we, I've been working with Jose Jaramillo. Uh, he's a sales guy. He's been our sales guy for uh, 25, 30 years or more and he's getting ready to retire. So we've been working with James Salas, who's a regional sales manager and uh, they, those guys have been great. They've been, you know, everything that we asked them to do, they're, they're on the money. They're there getting us answers. And, and if there's a, if it's a no, they, they have good justification of why it's a no and, and why we can't do what we want to do with that kind of stuff. So it's a, it's a long process. Like I said, it's, 12 to 18 months of pre-work then it starts uh when you when when guys actually see the trucks on the website on the citizens martin emergency group website uh you're looking at uh 12 to 18 months of work that's already starting to happen you know and it's um the basically the build time is anywhere from 12 to 16 weeks uh depending on the apparatus like the ladder truck's probably going to be uh, uh 12 to 16 weeks um that's crazy so in the fire service, I mean, if you're if you are um, if you're realizing that you need a truck tomorrow, it's too late, right? Yeah, if if you kind of <laughs> you kind of have to have a little bit of forethought and some planning right. going on there. Yeah, if you if you realize that you know you you your truck took a uh, took a dump and it's got a catastrophic failure, you're, you're behind the curveball there a little yeah. bit. And, and like, there's manufacturers that have trucks that are. Uh, Commercial like, chassis, yeah, you know, demo trucks that they, you know, they built for demonstrations so that they can pick up, you know, fairly easy. But it's not going to be what you want. It's not going to be exactly what you want. And that's the thing that with us is we we're building everything to what how we want things built, right? Uh, specifically to how we do business here in Bernalillo County, right? So, well, in the pictures and you're showing the progress on there, you know, so that's you know, firefighters can go to the website and see that. Mm-hmm. So then, when it's when it's complete, you go to Appleton, Wisconsin again. Yep. And you looked at after finished product. We or? do. We looked at we look at the finished product, and and we basically have, you know, our 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 spec sheet uh, is probably sixteen pages long, 
and and uh, we go from item by item and there's there's five of us that go we usually take a mechanic if not uh, we take a a mechanic from the from the dealership that we bought the the truck from from Siddons Martin They're one of their their leading mechanic will go with us and and just to make sure that they um, have built the truck to our exact specifications and we find stuff in there all the time that that is not right um, or we it didn't come out quite as good as we wanted it to come out so so we can change it obviously it comes with a cost because anytime you change anything it's going to cost you some money um but you know pierce and citizens martin have been really 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 good about uh working with us on some of those changes that maybe we forgot or maybe that pierce just over overlooked or it wasn't clear enough in the description of the specifications and how to do things so yeah, they they so we'll, we'll go over there and we'll go light, item by item. We'll look through every every piece of the apparatus. We look at the paint. We look at the graphics. We look at uh, moldings, screws. If we find screws loose or stuff that's not uh, fastened correctly, we, you know we write it up. It's a punch list, and and at the end of the inspection, we give that punch list to Pierce. They go through everything. We show them exactly what what we didn't think was right. And they go back and fix it. They usually fix it within a week to two weeks, depending on if it's major. Uh, and we've, we've, you know, it's like paint smudges or paint runs or scratches in the paint or uh, screws that are falling off of the, you know, from the headliner. Or, you know, we forgot one time we forgot to put the visor on the on the engine and we, you know, Pierce went halfers with us on it. So, it, you know, it's a $4,000 piece. We ended up paying $2,000 for it. So, you know, it kind of, that kind of stuff, uh, they work back and forth with us, and and they obviously they want us to have uh, exactly what we want. They want us to be happy, you know. So they they really do go above and beyond with their customer service to make make us happy. I mean, so when you're doing the punches that you're talking about, I mean, it's not, it ain't a field day, huh? It's it's an all day thing. You're there no. all day long. Yeah, we're you're on creepers and everything. Exactly, right? we're usually there um, from like nine to five in the afternoon and we're you know we're underneath the truck we're getting you know up and close up close and personal with the drivetrain the everything the springs you know we look at everything from what's nice with pierce is like when they when they do your frame rails it's all custom truck when they cut the frame rails every every single hole is put there for a reason. So when you go through at final inspection, if there's a hole and it doesn't have a bolt or a wire or something running through it, there's something's, something's wrong. wrong. Oh, yeah, they're crazy. missing something. So they they uh, it, it's really easy to kind of go through that process and see that something's not right or or it's not working as or it's out of place or whatever. So uh, yeah, that's those are that's one little thing that we look at is you know the frame rails if there's all if. If there's a hole that's open, we, we need to know why there's that hole open because they tell us in the in the build process they don't they don't put holes in the frame unless there needs to be a hole there for right. a, a specific reason. Right. So that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, so it's it's crazy. You start to think about it. You know, I think this is interesting to firefighters and the general public because, um, you know, you you just don't go down to the to the, the local dealer and buy pick up a truck like you would your personal truck right. or car. You know, it's a, it's yep. a big process and it takes over a year in the making. Correct. Yep. So I mean, the, the fact that there is a, a, a apparatus replacement plan that's definitely needed. Most departments should have that. Yeah, they should have an idea of when when they need to replace their apparatus. And and for us, we we've 
uh, again, NFPA has a, a guideline of when you should replace apparatus, and they say that they should be removed from service after ten years. Well, we've we've tried, we've been behind on our on our plan because of funding, uh, but we're getting caught up. And so, what we've what Burling County has done is is when the plan is finally caught up, the the vehicle will be in service and in frontline service for seven years. And then at that seven-year seven, seven year mark, it will get replaced by a new vehicle. And then that vehicle will go into the pool, spare. Pool, a, spare, a spare status. And they'll, they'll keep it as a spare for up to three years. Well, we've been, you know, like I said, we're behind in our process. So our trucks have been on the front line for 10, 11 years. Uh, and then they go to the pool fleet for uh, four or five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a credit to our, our fleet, our mechanics. They do a great job. They're they're very short staffed at the at the time now, but they do a great job in keeping our fleet on the road and 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 maintained. Uh, there's you know I, you and I have traveled the the country and talked to. I've had opportunities to talk to other logistics folks while we're on trips and and uh, I think we're we're pretty fortunate that we have a, a pretty decent uh, program with our with our mechanics and our repla- vehicle replacement plan. And not only that, I mean, I think uh, our our facilities are are much better than a lot of departments throughout the country. I mean, our guys are kind of spoiled in in a way that they they all have their own bunk room, they have yeah. their private space. Uh, you know, I've been to departments. Uh, you know, we've visited departments in Philadelphia that they have dormitories. Uh, um, El Paso, they 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 we went to visit their newest station. It was all a dormitory. It was, 30 some guys in, in one room. <laughs> so it's, 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 it, it's interesting. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right, man. Just traveling the country, you just get to see where, how fortunate we are. Some, you know, some of the fire stations, it's just a funding thing. And some of these fire stations back East, you're seeing firehouses that are, some of them are over a hundred years old and we had a brick and they still, yeah. And they look at them and they keep them up to date as much as they can. But yeah, we're definitely lucky. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, and then I was just I was just curious too. So like once the once you do the finish, well, you guys go down there the, uh, the second time for for the apparatus, anyways, and you look at it and it's all done. How do they ship the truck back? So they, as a as a buyer, you have the option to either get it shipped to you or driven down to you. And we chose we choose to have it uh, get driven down to us uh, for the for the mere reason is is uh, we want to if there's any bugs that that come up during that time that that's you know, yeah. that's on them right. because we haven't taken delivery of it. Right. Uh, if we were to take delivery of it from there, you know, cause we, I get questions from guys on the field. Well, why can't we just drive them down and, and take them to our facilities? Well, you, you, you basically, if you take delivery at the factory, you're responsible from the fact once you leave that factory Even if it's property, an accident if it break anything yeah right? exactly okay. yeah, so that makes sense. so any any mechanical issues that arise during that time any you know you know we had engine 40 got in, in an accident on the way down here that i oh, i didn't know that. that a lot of people didn't know that that they um they pearson ended up having to, to fix that front end you know they had the yeah. bumper was all messed up and yeah. that do some painting and stuff like that but yeah it, i mean it wasn't a in a minor accident uh yeah okay so that's that's the reason that that we uh it, it gets it gets driven down here to albuquerque to Siddons martin emergency group they they look it over they do a, a once over and and they they change the fluids uh that's part of the, the deal that we have with them and then um once that's all done we go back and do another inspection at Siddons Martin to see if there's anything that, you know, 
any more scratches that came up during the yeah. the, the travel or we do another little inspection and and if there's things we find, we make them take care of it before we take possession of it. So that sometimes takes, you know, two weeks to a month and a half to two months uh, to get it from the dealership for us. And then at that point, we take possession of it. We take it to our fleet. And then we start adding the equipment, you know, radios. Because uh, we get the radios installed, but we don't get them hooked up. So we got to get the radios hooked up, programmed. Um, all the other equipment that, that goes on the truck, we buy... When we buy a truck, we buy it, uh, and then we buy all the equipment that goes on that truck. So everything that, when you get a truck, you get all new equipment on there, except for the air packs. Right. But most of the equipment uh, is, is brand new, so we put all that equipment on there. That way, when we put it out, it's it's a brand new truck, brand new equipment. Ready uh, to go. Ready to go, yeah. That's great, man. She, thank you for, for being on. And, uh, you know, we have we have uh, Vince Trujillo, our co-host that he's in our community segment and hey Vince, what's how you doing, brother? Good man, thanks. Uh, actually, this is pretty interesting to hear all of this going on. Uh, as a member of the public, I don't really get to. I don't even understand how the the whole uh, <laughs> fire truck uh, purchasing process works, but uh, it was so, it was so interesting to hear that. So, like, I didn't know there. I, I was going to ask the question, but you said the the price tag five hundred thousand plus, even over a million dollars. Right, right. So, like, when it comes to custom made vehicles, what people don't understand is you probably have more experience messing with custom high price custom automobiles than the average like rich rich <laughs> owner sure. private owners <laughs> well i don't know there's uh, there's some pretty crazy stuff out there but yeah 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 it's uh it's it they're, yeah they're very expensive piece yeah. of equipment yeah. so how much is that are the, are the ladder truck cost? our ladder truck came in at 1.25 million Okay. Yeah, and that's because it has a ladder. It has all kinds of other features on yeah, it. Yeah, it's it's got uh, yeah, it's obviously it's got a hundred and five foot ladder, uh, a lot of hydraulics in it. Uh, it's still got a pump. It's still got water, uh, and then just the chassis. It's got to be a bigger, beefier right. chassis to to hold all that weight. Yeah, yeah. It's that that truck. I think is coming in at about uh, seventy eight thousand pounds. Wow. So yeah, pretty heavy piece of equipment. So you don't want to run into that thing in the intersections yeah, when they're coming move. through. Yeah, I guarantee you, it's not. <laughs> You're going to move way yeah. before it does. Right. And uh, so you were talking about the customizations, and you said the guys going backwards and stuff, and it immediately got me thinking because I think I saw movies where you have people actually looking into the rib. There's they have a mirror for the guys going backwards, right? Or I explain to me what do they have? You know, uh, we. They don't have anything. Our, our department doesn't have anything like that. We've, we've transitioned to, uh, because of the, the, a lot of the guys are complaining that they, they, they're not, you know, they're getting car sick or they can't see the scene as they're rolling up to it. So we've, we've made, uh, the transition. I think this is our first, um, I think this is our first truck that has all forward facing seats. We've oh, had, okay. uh, trucks in the past that have both rear and forward facing seats. Um, and, and, because we we build the trucks to be able to grow uh, within the ten years, you know. So we right now we have three man engines, so we we have four positions in the truck. Uh, and before they were, they we had volunteers, so we had there was a chance that we could have four or five guys on a truck. So they 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 built five six man trucks. So some of those seats were rear facing, some were forward facing. So most of the guys would elect to seat on the full sit down on the forward facing seats. So 
Is it first um, come first serve, or that you're 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 a backwards facing guy and that's your station? Yeah, no. If you're the firefighter, you you get if you, if all you have is rear facing seats, then you're sitting rear. So it's for yeah, whatever you, you yeah, jump on, right, and the guys exactly. who get sick, they want to get forward facing. Yeah. So now you're doing forward facing seats on that too. Is old school having rear facing seats? Is that like that? Yeah, just an old I think that was tradition? Uh, that was a, the well, it wasn't. I guess it was tradition, but it was a it was a matter of of the circumstance, right? So when the, the the technology the available technology, at that yeah, time. Yeah, there was there was used to be all open cabs and and or partially open cabs. So there was only uh, places to put seats in so many places. So, and most of most of the time, they were just you had to sit back to back with the driver or with the officer, and that's the way it was. You know, there was no other room to put yeah. other other seats, and there was just no no space for it. You know, when I one of my first engines that I I rode on was was one like that and i i rode backwards for a couple months you know when when how was uh, it? it it was cool it was an open cab a partially open okay. cab you know so it was like we had a covering but no door um and it was just i don't steps. think i've even seen that yeah <laughs> that's a, not i mean when i started the fire service that's where our trucks were so it wasn't um it's not it was too too long ago where you know, apparatus, uh, fire trucks. They, they, you know, they had, uh, they had to sit outside basically, and you smelled yeah. exhaust, and you right. were hot from the sun, right. no air condition. <laughs> yeah. So when I that first was just the budget thing, or do you think, or that's just the way just, fire trucks were made back yeah. then. Just it, you could get in and out quickly, or yeah. something. Yeah, you had like a little yellow bar right in front of you, and you flip it up, and you get out of the truck. And that's Man, I don't you, even think I remember seeing that. That's and that's a, that's, I was here for only a couple years, and they had those trucks. But yeah, those. So this was like '90s, maybe or something. Yeah, early 2000s. 2000s. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, 90s, huh? And before that, yeah, yeah, obviously older than that. But, you know, and we would talk about the, like I've talked about the NFPA stuff, and that was part of the NFPA uh, standard that changed because we ha there was they were seeing uh, uh, higher incidences in, in firefighters getting cancer, and, and they were attributing that partially to the diesel exhaust. And so that's why they went from an open cab design to a more closed cab design uh, to help with firefighter safety. Oh, so yeah, that, that's interesting. Um, so yeah, because I don't even remember those trucks. So do you remember the firefighters like like standing on the tailboard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. Yes, that wasn't too too long ago. Yeah. That was still in the nineties. Oh, yeah. So that's no longer they don't allow no, that. No, right? it's against the law. Yeah, the yeah. people the people get hurt. I guess. Oh yeah, or? people got killed, hurt. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Imagine that, like you're going and doing your job, and yeah. well, how'd you die? You know, how'd you die? Fell bumped. off the truck yeah. of all the ways that <laughs> right. firefighters right. can get injured. Yeah. Jeez. So, uh, what happens to the old trucks? So the, the old the, trucks, the, you guys the, sell them and then yeah, make money they, back they, on uh, that. Well, no, typically we don't do that. Uh, uh, what you know, one of the other nice things about about Bernalillo County is we're we're the second largest department in the state, and, and we're fortunate that we have a budget that we can replace apparatus on a yearly basis. So when when our apparatus is uh, replaced, it goes into a spare pool. So like if a, a truck goes down for um, maintenance issues or it has a, a, a break and then it needs to get replaced by one of the older trucks it gets put back in service uh, as a temporary basis till the other one the new one gets fixed and then once that goes uh, once we're done with them in the float pool then we usually uh, Bernalillo County I, I think kind of prides themselves in, in helping other other people we're, we're like the bigger brother that we want to help other smaller departments uh, grow so we, we've done a lot of donations of our apparatus okay. uh, most recently we donated one of our old engines to uh, cuba volunteer fire department and they've been a recipient of our of our apparatus uh, before they've they've taken possession i think of two other apparatuses from Berlin county and and 
Bernalillo County used to be uh, yellow and white uh, before we went to the black over red. Uh, and so you go to Cuba and uh, you see the yellow engines over there and it's like, yeah. oh, I remember that truck. You know, it's yeah. like, so they're repurposed for other departments yeah. who don't have a whole lot of money. They can't afford to buy right. uh, a half million dollar piece of apparatus. So we, we give them the truck for, you know, a, a, a dollar. They basically buy it for a dollar. Do you guys um, get some sort of benefit to that write-off or anything like uh, that? As you a- know, it, that's, uh, that's questionable. Uh, we don't, obviously the, the county, I'm sure, gets some sort of a tax, uh, tax write-off. But I think what we get more out of is that we, we know that we're helping a department that's, that's not as fortunate as us. And, uh, and that they're providing a service to their community that, that they would otherwise not have the ability to do so. So I think uh, helping the, helping our little brothers out and, right. and, and uh, giving them a, a piece of equipment that's going to help them and their, their communities uh, support them. I think that's, that's, uh, that's a greater gift than any dollar amount, I think for us anyway. You know, that that's great to hear that. My last question though, is you mentioned both of you mentioned something about, you know, you get custom, you could put an ice cream machine in there if you wanted to, <laughs> What's the what's the craziest thing you've heard people putting in the fire machine that uh, in, in the, the fire, fire truck? Um, and you don't have to mention which one it was. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, something weird like a beer cooler or anything. There's, uh, I've seen refrigerators <laughs> inside the cabs mm-hmm. of the trucks. Uh, what else? There's uh, just compartment locations where compartments go is just it's just it's crazy because you wouldn't think that. One of my first trips to Appleton, and it's cool because we get to we get to usually get to uh, walk the the production floor and see what other people are doing, and that's where we get a lot of our ideas of what we want to do. Uh, one of the one of the uh, apparatus I saw, and it was a four wheel drive apparatus. Bernard County has four four wheel drive apparatus in these mountain areas, and uh, they sit really high, and what. What I noticed on one of them that I was like, oh, wait, I was walking by it, and I saw in the front wheel well, because it, there's probably what I would say, like 28 to 36 inches of, of space between the wheel. I would and say the, so. I think, so those, somebody thought of the idea of putting a uh, compartment in that wheel well. Wow. So, like, it was a giant wheel well, but it was kind of curved on the bottom, and it, they, they put a, a compartment there. So I thought that was a, a making a, use of all the space, yeah. use of a, of the space, you know. <laughs> so it just uh, something that you wouldn't. I, I mean, I've I since I've never seen anything like that. Uh, but you've never seen an ice cream machine. Uh, <laughs> I've seen the coffee makers. Oh yeah, uh, but not ice cream machines. <laughs> <laughs> coffee makers for That's sure really inside cool. the trucks. Yeah. Well, 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 thanks so much, George. I pre- appreciate having you on. That was that was pretty cool and yeah, enlightening and kind of. Uh, kind of see how, how that process works, which is not a small process. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. appreciate that. No, well, thank you very much, George, uh, Lieutenant Ashi from Bernalillo County Fire Department. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. And um, I appreciate all the information about, about apparatus. You know, again, we, we couldn't, uh, it's hard to, that the general public, but even as a firefighter, I mean, I learn new things here where, you know, you don't realize all the work that, you know, the, the, you guys, your division puts into to making the trucks. Yep. So... Again, man, so signing off uh, from Firefighter Kingdom, your host, Robert Sanchez, co-host, uh, Vince Trujillo, producer, uh, don't forget to listen to us on uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and, Firefighter and Firefighter Kingdom, Facebook. <laughs> <laughs>